people of the trans experience, non-binaries, everyone, welcome to your episode. Well, that was interesting. How are y'all doing? Like, really? Like, what? Like, what's what's going on with? You know, your mental, it's the end of June, it's summertime, see a whole lot of people going out. I don't know why I just looked out of my window, like I could see a lot of people. But yeah, like, how's everybody doing? I'm feeling pretty good. Like, you know, things are going pretty well. I'm, you know, falling back into myself, feeling all, I feel like that's something everybody always says, that they're coming back into themselves. But that's like true though, you know, like... There's so many things that are coming at you at once that you really don't know if you're moving in the right direction that is true to who you are a lot of times. Well, at least that's what I feel. I don't know. How are y'all feeling? I hope you're doing good. Welcome to another episode of Reading and Raging with Charles C. Patton. I'm your host, Charles C. Patton, and let's get right into it. This chapter is a conversation with Desiree Pittman. Desiree is a recent graduate of the esteemed Alabama State University, and she currently works at a nonprofit organization in Alabama where she works with young women of the trans experience with career readiness, resume building, mental health services, and advocacy. She is the full embodiment of what it means to stand in your truth amidst a society, a community, and even a family that tries to deny you at every single turn. I'm super excited for all of you to watch or listen to her story, and I'm sure that someone out there who's going through a similar situation will find some solace in knowing that she went through it and she's on the other side of it. Hopefully, she's able to serve as a testament that there is truly light at the end of the tunnel. Without further ado, here's the conversation and happy pride. All right. Thank you so much, Desiree, for agreeing to come on this podcast and talk with me today. I love you so very much. Um, I'm so happy that we know each other, that we got to know each other uh, through that week that we were at HRC. Oh, that was an amazing time. Wish we could go back now, but whatever. Uh yeah, so how are you doing? How are things? How's your mental doing? Uh, tell me everything. I am, on a scale of nine, one to 10, I'm at a eight. Um, and the reason okay. being, um, is that I lost someone this past mm. Sunday um, who was very close to me. Um, she was my rock while I was at Alabama State University. Mm. And she passed away due to cancer. And this was somebody who made sure that I was taken care of. Um, her mm. name was Takesha Braswell. And she was like my mother on campus. And to mm. hear she had passed Monday and to go to her funeral on Saturday, that it just, it's been a lot. Um, yeah. So I'm doing what I need to do to take care of myself. So I've taken this week off. Um, okay. to kind of cry or do whatever it is that I need to do to make sure that I'm good. So, but yeah, I'm in an A, but I'm doing good. I'm happy to be okay. here. Yes. You know, I'm sorry to hear about, you know, your love. loss. Yeah. I've seen the first interview and I so I have to be a part of this. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad and I'm sorry for your loss. Like I can only imagine what that's like, especially like, you know, 
dealing with what you're dealing with with work and everything right now. So I'm glad you're taking off, taking time for yourself and to clear your head and everything like that. So that's good. But um, thank you again. Uh, there are so many things that I can say about you and about my experience with you. And uh, it was just always fun and games. We, <laughs> you, uh, your alter ego, Tony Braxton, uh, love her, the living legend. <laughs> yes. But uh, so when we were talking uh, through text message, um, we wanted to figure out what we wanted to talk about. We knew we wanted it to be something and you gave me free reign to decide on what we wanted to discuss, which I appreciate. Uh, and since it is Pride Month and I haven't really had to have a, a good discussion about what Pride means and, and what's been going on and, and the importance of it and what it means for, for us personally, I really wanted to have the conversation with you. Um, since we did meet in an area of service and, and giving back and, and all of those things. So I'm really excited to have that conversation with you. But as far as, uh, a, so we'd like to decide on a word that we want to base the conversation off of, to ground the conversation. And being that we're gonna be discussing pride and all those things that come with it, What's a word that you feel encapsulates the feeling of pride and, and what it means to you? Fortitude would actually be mm. um, the word for me. And fortitude means to possess strength. And I think people who live in their individual truths day to day possess some type of strength to be able to continue on no matter the obstacles or what life may throw that way, they're able to push through all of that. So that would that is a word of mine. Um actually I picked up a little habit from being Mary Jane where she would write the sticky notes. Yeah. On her bathroom mirror. And that is one of the words that are on my sticky notes on my bathroom mirror is 42. I love that. And affirmations every morning. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love I love that fortitude. You know what? This this pride so far has been, I, I don't know, I feel like last year we really didn't get that chance to really hone in and celebrate like we usually do uh, because of COVID. But this year I see the girls are out. I see, you know, people are having a good time. The with children are out. They, they are that, out. The kids, <laughs> their lives that they did not get last year and the children right. are And I love to see it. I love it. And when you said fortitude, what does that mean to you? What what is fortitude? When you think of fortitude, what does that what does that mean? And why did you decide to put that on your mirror? So um fortitude to me, um, like I said, it means to possess strength. Um, and I like to think that I'm a strong person, and even strong people are sometimes they need to be checked on. Um, but I like to think back to when I was an undergrad. Um you know, I transitioned literally um, in college, right before people's eyes. Um, and it was difficult. Like, I yeah. had some tough times. And um, like I said, Miss Braswell, um, she looked out for me like 
my school did not have um, any like housing accommodations when it came to people who were transitioning and things of that nature. So they were still housing trans women in male dormitories. Mm. Um, so, and that was just not it for me. Um, and so Ms. Braswell, um, she put me in the university apartments. I literally had okay. two bedroom apartment by myself and I stayed there until I graduated. Oh, that's dope. And so, you know, being able to push through all day, you know, people are staring. It doesn't bother me at this point. But, you know, the staring and, you know, the slack comments. And then you have people who are going to test you at times. And even now into my career, you know, I used to work um, for Amazon. I was a corporate Mm. resources coordinator. And so, you know, there were people who did not like the fact that they had to answer to me. Mm. And I basked in that because... <laughs> <laughs> I, gotta say, I know you did. <laughs> oh, yes, I got my life off of <laughs> But I basked in that because, you mm. know, people really, and this is just my observation, especially coming up and transitioning here in the Deep South. Yeah. Really do not expect people who are a part of our community, the LGBT community, to be successful. For some reason, they just do not expect us to be somebody in life. And so when you hear that, you know, I guess when they heard this, there's a black trans woman, she's going to be, you know, taking over. This is who you report to. Like, some people real deal had issues with it. And I even had some people quit because of that. Are you serious? Not one. To be working under me, and that's fine because the job was still done. Yeah, I mean, but goodness, you quitting a whole job just because you don't want to work with someone? Like what? Well, well, how how would you define like pride for you though? I know that like you were just talking about your experience. You started transitioning in college and going through through that with the administration, I'm sure, with all the people who did not want to accommodate you and and how you should have been treated. And so how does what does pride mean to you when you think of it and when you think of the, the community surrounding it? Pride would be in my instance, pride would be being able to sit here and tell my story. Mm. Yeah. That, that would be pride for me, being able to be an inspiration to those young ladies that are coming after me um, so they'll know how, you know, they're supposed to be treated. And, you know, um, I think I what I enjoy about my job is that I'm able to touch the younger trans women that are coming behind me to let them know that you know, the stereotype that has been put placed on us is not what we have to live by. Um, um, I recently transitioned into another career. I'm now mm-hmm. a program director um, for a nonprofit organization as their trans health director. Yes. So I'm able to um, dis- not disbursement, I oversee funds and how we use them. I come up with budgets as well as programming. And I think my the programming that I have designed is to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm trying not to be so proper for this now. Uh, <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> um, 
and I don't think assimilate is the word. Anyway, but um, I want them to be able to sustain themselves. Um, okay. And I think, um, and what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of these nonprofit organizations who are designed to help our community, they just give our trans women or people of our community money and just have them go away. Yeah. You don't really like solve the real issue. Right, right. Facing. And so my program designed for my girls, it's, like, it's a life class. Um, and I call it the Ascension Life Class because we're moving up, not, not down. So I know that's right. Um, and so what the way I design it is to professionally develop them. Um, we do mock interviews with them. I also help them build resumes. Um, also, we also buy them their first interview outfits, so whether that's a pants. Oh, that's awesome. Whether it's a skirt suit, whichever they feel, and a pair of shoes. Yeah. Um, they all get um, a string of pearls. Oh my gosh. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they get a string of pearls. And so, like I said, we do mock interviews that have them do their resumes, as well as teaching them how to conduct themselves as ladies. Because anybody can be a woman, but everybody cannot be, be a lady. A lady. <laughs> so um, I always teach them in how, how to conduct themselves as ladies mm-hmm. and out here in child Trump America. Honey. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, because you in okay. Alabama. So um, that is what... Um, that is what I do. Um, and I find solace in that, knowing that I'm making a change somehow. And I yeah. always wanted the work that I do to be able... I wanted the work that I do impacting other people's lives. Like, I want to feel fulfilled when I come home. Tired. I want to be like, yeah, I did something. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. I definitely feel you. Now, let's take a step back because... And then we'll get back into into pride and, and all those things. But so I want so I know a little bit of your story from, you know, having conversations with you and everything. But I do want to go back to like when you were younger, maybe college years or whatever, like reflecting on that and how you came into yourself and really uh, standing strong and in, into who you are today. Um, I think for me, um, so my sophomore year in college. So let me be clear. I've always known mm-hmm. that Desiree was here. Period. She was always here. Okay. Um, so she, she's she been here the whole time. I just don't think she's been ready. I think she could have been out, but you know, she she's here. That's all that really matters now. But right. I think back when I was in college, you know, I had the day, I had Two college-educated parents. Um, my dad went to Alabama State University to play football, play a show maker, da 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 da. Okay, yeah, yeah, all the things, yeah. So, like, so moving forward in life, you know, I had went and saw. I started seeing a therapist, um, and I recommend everybody seeing a therapist because, oh my God, you get to put all of change your, your life. Yes, I literally put all of my baggage in. <laughs> Right there and dissected. <laughs> this is what I pay you for. Right. You do it. So um I was seeing a therapist and I had she she expressed to me um that I had discussed about I had discussed transitioning um to her before and so she brought it back up and she said, What is really holding you back? Mm. 
And so she gave me a um, a worksheet to do. And it wasn't until I did the worksheet and went back to her for my next therapy session. And I really- Are you okay with, with saying with the worksheet, do you remember some of the questions or some of the things you so had to So the worksheet, I can't remember. It's like, it was like four years ago. Um, yeah, no. The worksheet, it was kind of saying like, it was a worksheet that was divided into two things and it had like things that you wanted to do to please yourself and things that you were doing to uh, please other people. Okay. Was, I remember now. And so when I realized that the side that said things that you were doing to please other people was the longest, mm. I then that, yeah, it's time. Because I realized, Charles, that all these years I had been living to please other people and to make uh, them while I was suffering. Yeah. I was yeah. suffering. Deep and deep. even then you don't even, at least from my experience, you don't even know that you yeah, are like suffering. I was literally out here yeah. in the world just suffering and did yeah. not know it. And it was then that's when I made the decision to transition and start living my life for me. Yeah. And like ever since then, things have been falling in place. Like when I it's so interesting, right? How once you start living in your authentic truth and really start like being in who you are, stuff just starts, you know, coming through. Like, of course, you're gonna have it just starts falling into place. And so, um, I had started the process of transition, and that's when I realized that I had just been living my life to make other people's happy. And then I also realized that these same people that I were I was living and doing things to make them happy really didn't give a fuck about my happiness. Mm. And so I was like, yeah. So I just started living for me and whoever didn't like it, oh fucking well, like bye. I don't know, that's right. And, How did um, and so it was it was hard. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna see yeah. it was definitely hard. Um some people didn't get on board and it caused me to um, have a very strained relationship with my father. Um, mm. And so my my mother was all on board. Um, mm-hmm. and my rocks. Like, um, I don't know where I would be without my mom. But my, my relationship with my dad was very strained for a while. Um, because, of course, he didn't agree with it. Yeah. And so, you know... I had to, you know, let him know, like, hey, this is it. This is me. Um, the choice, the ball is in your court at this point. Yeah. You can choose not to be active in my life, or you can choose to be an, uh, continue to be an active parent. But as far as me living a lie to make you happy and to please people that you know and save face, it's not happening anymore. Right. And so our relationship was, like, strange. Like, I'm talking yeah. about two years without speaking to each other wow so um and has it gotten a bit better now we are better um it was to the point my therapist told me she told me she's like it's okay to divorce certain family members charles and i was literally filing for divorce Mm. Um, <laughs> um, because my dad, he he has said some very some off the wall stuff. 
Yeah, like, you know, and like, it's stuff he said that nobody's ever said to me. So it's like, wow, it's coming out of your mouth. So like, wow. And even now with um, us starting back to try to have Mm -hmm. a relationship, it's still like, you know, I don't want to shut the door, but it's like, if I crack the door and let you in, what are you going to do now? Right. Proven to me that you are capable of hurting me. And yeah. so, like, why should I let you in now? You see what I'm saying? And so, that's yeah. is even for like Father's Day was this past week, weekend. Mm. And so, he called and I, well, I called him and wished him a happy Father's Day. And he pointed out, and it's so funny because I didn't know he watches me like that. He pointed out that I came home for Mother's Day. I did go home for Mother's Day and I took my mom to Florida for Mother's Day. But he also pointed out that I didn't come home or got get him a gift for Father's Day. And I told him, I was like, when you start acting like a father, that is when I start treating you. Oh my gosh. You, I don't know if, you probably do, but I don't know if you know just how like incredible that is for you to have that much like self-love and self-actualization to, to decide like, no, I'm not going to allow someone as close to me, like, as far as family is concerned, as my father, to be in my life if there's nothing but toxicity coming from you. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do that. We don't do toxic people. And so, like, I had to let him know, like, when you start acting like father, I'll treat you like one. And it's just what it is. I have to yeah. protect. Another thing I always say, and my friends will tell you, protect mm-hmm. your peace. Yeah. If anybody or anything is disturbing your peace, baby, they got to go. They got yeah. to get the fuck out right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, okay, well, we'll just put them over here for a minute. Right. You got to go right goddamn now. It's time for you to leave and make your exit because you can't stay here causing confusion and making me upset. Right. It was a point in time when my daddy was doing that. And it was, all right, you got to go. All right, I'll talk to you later. And that's what it was. He was over there. How were how were you able to to really do that though? And what what I'm asking is like, so how I was able to do that? So my dad was my sole provider. Actually, my dad paid for my college. My dad um, had on his health insurance. My dad um, would send me money in school. My dad bought yeah. My I was about to say, because there's so many people who really rely on their parents. It wasn't wasn't until I got older, Charles, and I had realized, like, everything my dad asked me to do or did for me, it came with conditions. Uh, It came with conditions. Like, if I asked for money, he would be like, okay, well, I need you to get a haircut, then I'll send you some money. Or I need you to put your nails, and I'll send you some money. Like it became to the point was just like, yeah, I'm not doing this. And so that's when I realized I was like, yeah, I need to get like my stuff together. Yeah. So when I graduated, um like I graduated in the middle of a whole pandemic. So like yeah, COVID broke out in March. I school closed, sent everybody home. So I was home for a month. And so like Mm -hmm. he told me like I have long hair, Charles. Like, I know, yeah. but my hair is past <laughs> my shoulders now. Okay. So, he was like, you need to I think it was like at your neck or something when we last saw each other or something like yeah, that. that. Yeah, it's long now. So, like, he was like, um, 
you you gonna have to cut your hair before you move back in my house. I was like, excuse me, mm. Charles. I stayed in that house literally a week, and I got the fuck. Out I was about to say because a lot of people were going back to like really so toxic, toxic and, yeah. And so I literally applied to Amazon. So when I first started working on Amazon, I was not always working in HR. I, I was a regular warehouse worker and yeah. making an hour. I yeah. was doing good. Okay. I moved up to Birmingham. I stayed with my brother. Um, he's not my biological brother. We've known yeah. each other. He's been my friend. Like, this is my brother. Like, he just, I got my you. Mama, but my mama loves him just like he was her son. But um, I kept, moved up here and stayed with my brother in his one-bedroom apartment. I literally slept on his house for seven months. Mm. Um, but yeah. it was Better than staying there, being unhappy. I literally went to work every day. I stacked my paper. Yeah. And slowly and slowly, like, he had no control. Like, I ended up giving him the truck that he bought me back. I gave that back. I went and bought me a car that I wanted. Not mm. that I had to get, but a car yeah. that I wanted. I want to buy a car that I wanted. I paid my own car insurance. I went and got an apartment. I live downtown in Birmingham, for God's sake. And so I got my own apartment in my name. I literally become self-sufficient. And it really fucked with him because I no longer needed him for anything. He no longer right. And that is how you tell when people have control of you because they start acting a goddamn mess. Listen, and when they when you finally became financial and de- financially independent, you didn't have to ask for anything. You had your own place. You had all that stuff. And it's like, okay, so now you can't control anything that I do. And you really, if you're going to be in my life, I don't need to be with you. Like, I don't need to be dealing with any of the stuff that you're dealing with. You know what? That to me, cause I'm, you know, in certain situations where I'm like, I've been trying to, like, I see certain things that are really happening, especially with this pandemic and like trying to, and seeing a whole lot of stuff that I didn't beforehand, like with people taking advantage and people, you know, taking, you know, my kindness for, for whatever. And I'm trying to figure out how to do that with people that I love and still show them that I do love them, but create those boundaries so that's why i was asking because i that that's that's another conversation piece setting healthy boundaries setting healthy boundaries with people Mm. that is a conversation piece because i don't think people really know what it means to set boundaries with certain people yeah i don't think so either because if you don't set boundaries with people certain people will just run a damn mug yeah whatever they want to and it's not okay so that is why you have to set, set boundaries with people that's another conversation piece. Look, that's part two. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so in in college, that's when uh, that's when you started to transition. You started to come really into yourself and accept yourself and really go with it. Uh, when did you start to 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 get into this work of advocacy and and really helping the community? Because I know that's that's how we met going into it was to actually, HRC. Attended the HBCU summit for HRC. That is when I really wanted and seen people really out here doing the damn thing. And it's just mm-hmm. like, I have to be a part of this. And yeah. so um, I always knew that I was going to be end up doing the work that I did, although I did not go to school and I'm a bachelor's in what I'm doing. 
Um, my, <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, like I literally went to school to school and got a four year degree in something that I'm not even using now, and it's so funny. But um, that's a lot of us. <laughs> but I'm working in the social work field. I work for a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. It's like I would have never known that I would be doing this, but I knew I would be impacting people's lives somehow. I don't know. Yeah. But like never like in a million years what I would have imagined the work that I'm doing, I would be in this position in life, doing what I'm doing, happy with my overall life, in a happy relationship with somebody. Like, I didn't even think I was going to be in a relationship, Charles, and I have a whole man, like a whole... <laughs> <laughs> I have a whole man. It's yes! Crazy as he is at times. Like, okay. <laughs> But how was how was that experience at because we we weren't in the same cohort. No, I you were in the one before me. I went in Yeah, seven. yeah. Um, how was that experience, that first experience going into that that cohort for you? It was like no other. The anytime that I was in a room with them, there was always love. Yeah. There was never any arguing. Who's who's the most fashionable? It was none of that. People were genuinely loving on each other, and that's yeah. what I think is so fascinating about that space, and which is why I'm so glad that Leslie and them are trying to keep it up. Yeah, um, and this is the for people who don't know, this is a human rights campaign. They have an annual HBCU summit where they invite uh, student leaders or you know students in the LGBTQI plus community to come in. Uh, for what, like four or five days or something yeah, like we're that? Yeah, we were like five or six days. Yeah, yeah, for like a whole week just to love on each other, to have different seminars and forums, and it's a whole thing, and it's, it's great. That's what she's speaking on right now, but yeah, go ahead. So my first one was, it was awesome. Um, I never shared or had been in a space where queer people came together and it was just no bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) I had never had that because Mm. the 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 queer people here in Alabama are very catty for some Mm -hmm. reason. I don't know. I don't think that's I don't think that's just in in Alabama. Okay, so maybe it's just not Alabama, but like (laughs) and I just Got to the point. Honestly, Charles, I used to be a person that would go out and support like events and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And like, like going back to what I said, I protect my peace. I don't have time for this. So I literally go home. I hang with my crew. Mm-hmm. Like my brother is actually on his way over here once he leaves the gym and because I cook. And so he's going to eat dinner. We're going to hang out. But um, yeah, I just don't. I don't understand why we have to be so catty. But like, that was a space that I had shared with people that I have not had in a minute. Like that feeling, that experience is yeah. like no other. And I recommend anybody um, who wants to advance themselves. And it was also good networking. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, like I, we we know some of some of the top people in HRC. Yeah. Um, so. I was I was honored to be chosen to come and attend. Um, that was like really awesome, and I've made some lifelong friends from yeah. my cohort. No matter if we like thousands of miles apart, like right. some of them are in Atlanta, some of them in 
California now. Like these people are living lives. Like, mm-hmm. and it's just so awesome to see people blossoming into their adulthood, their individual yeah. lives. And so I love it. And, and how was the? I don't think I was a part of your cohort. Was I? no, um, because you were twenty seventeen. I was 2018. I came, but I wasn't a part because y'all was in Atlanta. We were in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah I just came to visit. I didn't really. <laughs> have a, I wasn't a mentor for that one. But... Right, right. But then we both came back. Yeah. Following year in 2019, um, as mentors or committee members or something, the organizer committee to help with with that program, and that's where we met. That's when we met. And so mm-hmm. it was just awesome to, like, to know people who are working in these high positions at HRC. Um, it's just awesome. Like That was the best experience I've had. And then I got invited back um, to the Elevate program, which is directly and specifically for trans women. Yeah, I remember you telling us about that. How was that experience? Yeah. Oh, my God. It was awesome. Like... There was a lot of like greatness in that room to have for it to be a room full of black trans women. There were a lot of black trans women who are really out here doing the damn thing. So mm. I, was, I thought I was the unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> turns you out are. Horns. <laughs> so um, it turns out there. <laughs> right, I thought I was that girl, but. <laughs> More girls out there, but um, but yeah, it was awesome. We all learned how to start our own organizations, mm-hmm. professional development, and mental and self care. We talked about that. That is when I learned self care. And they, when I tell you, there is a specific line in my budget for yes. <laughs> and I mean, like they really took care of us and treated us like the women that we deserve to be treated like. Like right. they they treated us so well. And I met some lifelong friends in there, like some mm-hmm. good friends. Like that was like a real awesome opportunity. How was the time um after coming back from HRC and these different uh um what are they called conferences coming back to to your community in Alabama? How was that transition from going to the conference being loved on being affirmed being all this and then going back into a situation where you didn't necessarily feel that all the time it was like going into the sunken place Mm. because i love my alma mater oh my god i love alabama state university with my whole being but oh my god they have some work to do when it comes to making sure that all demographics of students are taken care of and like like i said there should be no reason a trans woman should still be housed in their house yeah there that's ridiculous that's, that's crazy and you know it's just a lot of um so that is when i went back from hrc i actually did a safe space training with that okay. in residence life department like all of the housing directors um building directors um our housing director our assisting housing director as well as all of the housing office staff I did a safe space training for them. We talked about that's dope. Yeah, we did. We talked about yeah. the man and what is the difference between sex and gender. We um, talked about terminology, so they learned what cis means and all that good stuff. I think everybody should have that training. Yeah. So the plan was for um, housing was like our little tra- like 
tester. No test run. Yeah, to see what we needed to work on, what we needed to add, and things of that nature. And the plan was for us to do it in other departments. Yeah. COVID rung out and just. Oh my gosh. Snatching everything. COVID messed everything up. There were so many <laughs> things that so many people had planned, especially that last semester, if people who were graduating in May or, or whatever. Yeah, I was graduating in May, and so it was just a lot. So, yeah. Um, but there was one thing accomplished before I did graduate, and it brought me to tears. We got our first. Um, Gender neutral bathroom. Ah. And um, I'm gonna shout out two um, young ladies that I mm-hmm. love dearly. Um, one's name is Jim Richardson, and the other one's name is Jay. I can't think of Jalen's last name, but Jim Jim is the current SGA president for Alabama State University. Okay, is her vice president. Um, at the time, they were in our senate for SGA, and they came to me and asked me. They was like, you know. What is it um, that you know that y'all would need as far as the LGBT community on campus? She said, because we know and know that y'all are really overlooked all the time when yeah. it comes to certain things. And I told her, I said, you know, I would like a gender neutral bathroom. She was like, wow, I never thought about it. And so when I explained to her, like that, there was times like I was about to pop or pee on myself. Mm. I could not go into the women's restroom. My mentor, Miss mm-hmm. um, Kennedy, her name is Kamala Kennedy. She still works at ASU. She would literally go out and come with me to the bathroom and yeah. stand in front of the door until I came uh, out, just to make sure like nobody said anything or anything. Yeah, like that. so, that's like, so was, awesome. Like, but then when you think about it, it's like, damn. Yeah, like it would be times I would run to my dorm to use the bathroom and just to feel comfortable, find a bathroom in there that was just one style, like it had a door on it. Because right, let me tell you something. Going to HBCU, it's tough. Yeah, it's real tough. But um, they did um have make a restroom in our student center, a gender neutral bathroom. Gender neutral, that's awesome. Ladies are now running SGA, and I will be forever grateful to them. Um, it doesn't take it doesn't take much to do the right thing. I never really yeah. understood that. I just don't I don't get why people feel like it's so necessary for them to to just enact so much so many different unnecessary things that's just to basically to shit on people. Like it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me like why wouldn't because that's something similar to what we were trying to do as state but there they it just it it fell through and you know and then covid and everything it just didn't didn't happen but yeah like that that's awesome because you never know who's on that campus that may be going through something that's trying to figure themselves out that wants to feel some level of comfort so that they can be their true selves I I just I never understood that, especially from an administration standpoint. If you want to bring more students in, if you want to to make the students feel more comfortable, why not? What what's so, it gonna hurt? Luckily, we had a vice president of student affairs who um, her name is Dr. Davida Haywood. Um, she's currently at Johnson C. Smith now as their VP. Okay, she will. But um, Luckily, we had Dr. Haywood. Dr. Haywood came from a very diverse background of schools. Um, I think before she came to us, she came from Ohio State. Okay. Um, 
And so when she came here, um, well, she came to Alabama at Alabama State University. She was like shell shocked that we didn't have a lot of stuff. Um, and so she heavily funded. Yeah. To the point where she kind of gotten in trouble sometimes. <laughs> but she heavily funded um, LGBT events. Um, she made sure when we went to conferences like HRC mm. and other conferences that we had what we needed and that we represented Alabama State University well um, because she knew that these were opportunities for us to bring back new things to our community. Right. And that's what we did. We um, had our World AIDS celebration. I reactivated our LGBT um, student organization on campus, Amplified. Um, we now have the LGBT Resource Center. Like, I don't know what's the status. That of the- goes so far, though. Like, yeah. I can't tell I don't know. you I how many people. I haven't been back to visit because, like, yeah. COVID, like nobody's right. real like that. So, but I yeah, know COVID. I we know. ain't even thinking about COVID. Yeah, COVID just messed everything up. So COVID just yeah. came through like a wrecking ball. But like. <laughs> those were things that were being accomplished that had been accomplished when I left and I think I graduated and I was at peace with Mm -hmm. knowing that you know that the generation coming behind me had it a little better than I did yeah yeah that's the goal that's the goal yeah and do you remember do you remember your first pride so my first pride was actually in Montgomery um, <laughs> I went to Montgomery Pride, and it was actually with my vice president. I was like, we okay. marched together in the Pride Parade. Oh, yeah, marched together. Yes, I have a picture with us of us um, um, standing in front of the state capitol because you know the state's capital is Montgomery, and ASU is oh, yeah, down yeah. the street from the state capitol. So we were literally standing in front of the state capitol, like, taking pictures, like, snapping it up and stuff like that. And we marched in the parade. And you had some students who challenged her, um, who, it's so weird. You just, it's all types of students, I guess. But you had some, like, heavy Christian students who were asking, like, Dr. Haywood if she knew Jesus, this, that, and the third. Oh, my gosh. Yes, like, oh. It was the (laughs) ball for me. It was the goal for me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they were asking Dr. Haywood if she knew Jesus because she was supporting her students in this. Y'all, y'all aren't a Jesuit institution, right? I don't think we're. If we yeah, are. Like y'all don't, like y'all don't have to go to like services and stuff for your, yeah. So what, they don't, okay. <laughs> Maybe it's some on that candy crying thing. Ooh, child. Mm. But how was that experience for you, the first time walking in a parade? It was monumental. Um, mm. to, that was my first time walking and being seen, actually, as Desiree. Mm. Oh, my gosh. How was that? Like, take me back to that, because I... Goodness, I'm just, I'm just thinking about how that feels like... Cause, okay, so... Before you go into that, there was this one uh, during our cohort in 2018. Um, so in the la- you know the last uh, night, there's uh, 
like the awards ceremony. Mm -hmm. So there was someone in our cohort, his name is X. And at the time he was going uh, by they, them pronouns. And, uh, and he got up in front of everybody and he was like, you know, I've decided like from all of this love, from all of this affirmations, from all of this that I'm now comfortable going by he, him pronouns. And when I tell you that room erupted in like, yes, like, yes, we so happy for you. Like, yeah, that's dope. And then like, he just started crying. And I was like, you know what? I've never seen in real time someone feeling so in tune with themselves and so happy and affirmed and and just overwhelmed with love and, and gratitude and all of these things, like to finally come into themselves from being denied their existence their entire life, from their family denying them, from their friends denying them, from every everybody just denying them at every single point in their lives. And then finally like, because of the love that you see that you felt from these group of people to let you know that, listen, you are loved no matter who you are, no matter who you love, like anything. And to see that it was like a switch. It was like, it just, I, I can't, that, that was incredible to me. So yeah. So tell me, take me back to, to when that happened. And, and, and that was your, you said that was your first time, like really coming out as I'm Desiree and this is who I am. How how was that? Take me there. Um, <laughs> I knew that I had to debut some way. Um, and so transitioning is not only hard, but it's expensive. Mm. Um, so you're talking about starting over from ground zero with a whole new identity and yeah having to find clothes to match his identity. It was expensive. Imagine me only have the only income I had was the money that my dad gave me as well as work study checks. Right. So I literally Ross and TJ Maxx was my best friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, I didn't I couldn't always afford the nicest hair, the nicest bundles or whatever the case may have been. <laughs> Maybe I just went for what I knew, and so yeah. I, my I, my best friend gave me one of her wigs. I will, I still have that wig, as a matter of fact. Um, and she gave it to me, and that was my wig that I wore. Mm. How and did I feel? How like it felt comfortable? Like it was yeah like it was supposed to be done right easier. Right. In that truth, instead of performing in this other. Like, people got on board. Like, it was like. Yeah. I don't even know the word to describe. It was just a yeah. great. Um, my mom was in big support. Like, she was just over the set. And the way I told my mom I was transitioning was so funny. Um, I don't know if you remember the second season of Pose when Kenya yeah. it came to the funeral. So I asked my mom to watch that episode. And so 
she called me the next day. And so, like, me and my mom, we talk about everything. Like, there's nothing that you can possibly tell her that she does not already know about me. Mm-hmm. So, she called me and she was like, hey. And I was like, hey. And she was like, I watched the episode of Pose. And I was like, oh, did you enjoy it? So, I was like, what you think about it? She was like, I like this. She was like, so is that something you want to tell me? And I was like, mm. oh, what you mean? She's like, you're transitioning, aren't you? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. She said, it's okay. She said, I kind of figured it was coming. My mom mm. always knew what was coming with me. And yeah. She, she definitely seen me transition. She was just waiting on me to say something. But my mom right. like a big support, um, making sure that I have my hormones and things like that. Oh. Hello? I think it. Hello? Can you hear me? I can now. Can you hear me? Okay, now? okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what is going on? Hey, stop this internet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but she was the GOAT. And so, like, mm-hmm. my mom is definitely somebody I have to think, thank um, for getting me to this point. Um, and also, my brother. Um, my mm. brother. Um, I thought he would have walked in by now, but um, he got me connected with different resources to get me started on my HRT therapy, um, and as well as other stuff. Um, yeah. Has been a rock of mine also. So without those two, I really don't know where I would be. So if you could give um, the people that are listening or watching a word of advice or a saying or a mantra or something that you tell yourself, um, every day or something that you remember uh, hearing that's helped you through your life, what would that be? That it's okay to be selfish sometimes. Mm. Yes. It's okay to be selfish. It, it is okay to be selfish when it comes to you because, you know, through life I learned that I had put so many people before um, me and yeah. You know, when I done and gotten done where they needed to be, you know, there was nobody to lift me. Right. So, um, that is when I started putting myself first. And I lost some friends for that. And it wasn't until then I realized, like, okay, well, maybe they weren't supposed to be in my life. Mm. Because when I started transitioning and, and things started happening, people started really, you know, pulling away or falling off or whatever they may have. And I said, you know what? This is this is how I know who's supposed to be here. And the people who are still here with me, my village, are still here today. And right. I love them with every piece of me. But definitely, my my advice to people would definitely be to be selfish with yourself when it comes yeah. to needs, your emotions, and your well being. Put yourself. I absolutely love that. Put yourself first. You got to. It's a skill. Yeah. I would say that's a skill. That's a that's a skill that I'm a I'm special set of skills. I'm working to learn too. Uh, but is there a book or a movie or song or something, uh, a media, something that you have consumed recently or in the past that has really touched you and, and helped you or that you just want to share? 
I have started listening to a new artist, but I think everybody should have heard of her. Her name is Avery Sunshine. I have not heard of her. She has a album. Well, it's a composition album. That's what Apple Music said. Um, but there is an album that she has, and it has a couple of um, meditation songs. Okay. Now, Remember if it was meditation number one or two, I'm finna see and so I can give you specifically so the people can go and listen. All right, um, bet. Um album is called okay, it's, her name is Avery Sunshine. The album is called The Sunroom. So I listened to two um songs off of there besides the obvious one, which is called my name, but there are two songs on there. One is called Meditation Number One, and it's called okay. A Conversation with God. And then Number the track number nine is meditation number two conversation with him, meaning mm. like your man. Oh, okay. Um, conversation with God. Oh my God. Okay, well I'm going to listen to it after we, after this, because yeah. And once you finish with once you finish with your conversation with God, definitely tap on down to the conversation with him. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so are there any lasting words that you want to leave the people before we go ahead and head out? Um, my advice or my little saying to them would be to continue being who they are, um, even if it makes other people uncomfortable or upset. Um, live in your truth, walk in your truth. And just do you. And yeah. whoever is truly there to support you, who is truly there for you, will remain. And those who aren't will definitely fall off like dead flies. So, a hundred percent, hundred percent. That's the only way to be. Yeah, so the only way to be. That is my advice to the world. Yes, got the right living room. Yes. <laughs> Thank you again, Desiree, for coming on and speaking with me tonight. I love you so much. I always love, we need to talk more, but yes. we'll get into that. Yeah. But I'm so happy that you're doing well. You got your man, you got your mom, you got your little thing. Yes, I love it. But thanks again. Uh, and I'll link everything that she spoke of in the last part of this and where you can find her in the description. And you can go and find her and, and check her out because she's doing wonderful things, just like she talked about. So thank you, love. And thank you, y'all. We'll see you on the thank next you one. Thank you for having me. This is an awesome experience. Yes, this is great. We need, And we need to do that part two that we were talking well, about. Well, we're definitely going to do the part two. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm.